What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Breakdown Breakdown. I'm here with my co-host, Hunter. Hunter, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanksgiving was great. The Vikings won. Uh, your Cowboys won. So it's a great thing for you. And, uh, you know, outside of that, pretty shit with all the other sports teams. Oh, you football is doing bad. And then, you know, the the Thunder Rockets game. No, yeah. Um, the Thunder Rockets game. I mean, that was certainly a basketball game. That's for sure. <laughs> it was a game that was played for the National Basketball Association. That that did happen 100 percent. Oh man, but um, yeah. Let's just talk it out. Let's talk. Let's talk about that game first because it's probably the most painful of the four that we got to talk about uh, today. Um, so the Thunder uh, went to Houston. It was the second night of back to back. The first night was against the Bulls, which we'll talk about here right after this, after this game. Um, but um, the Thunder ended up losing one eighteen one oh five. I really think that final score uh, is a little bit deceiving. <laughs> this was long gone. This game was long gone from, like, the second half. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Rockets uh, came out with a 14-4 start in the first quarter. Um, the Thunder, who have one of the worst net ratings in the league in the first quarters, continued to have slow starts. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the Thunder were never really able uh, to recover from that. Um by halftime, the Rockets were leading by 21 points. And by the fourth quarter, the Rockets were leading by 21 points. So um, the Thunder, who've been one of the better third quarter teams in terms of point differential, were not able to really work their magic in the third quarter. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, you know, there's 82, there's 82 games in the season. And, um, you know, games like these are bound to happen. Um we're 20 games into the season for OKC. And like, really, this is like the first true blowout loss for them. Um, All our losses so far have been, have been games where, you know, the fourth quarter was still interesting. Um, So, you know, credit to OKC for that. Um, But I mean, yeah, this is just outside of Shea and like maybe Josh, this is, this is a pretty forgettable night. Oh yeah. hundred percent. No one was making their shots. I mean, Trey Mann, for example, went over nine from three and one for 11 from the field, which is insane. Uh, and, you know, uh, J Jub had probably like his worst game of his, you know, of his brand new career, but yeah. And, you know, Poku didn't play, play barely in a minute. either. he only played nine minutes on the night. So, you know, overall just shots weren't going in. Uh, some key guys just didn't play most of the game. Uh, and, you know, the, the defense overall was just, really putrid to start and you know I, I would say to end but it did pick up a little bit but that was mostly because you know the Rockets uh, garbage time players are out there and uh, you know some of the some of the regular rotation minute players were playing for the Thunder so it tightened up a little bit at the end but just not enough and overall the, the perimeter defense was just poor poor the entire night I mean like Jalen Green for example went 11 to 19 from the field six and nine for three I mean just one of the best games uh, for Jalen Green so far and, and not only that I mean with the lack of perimeter defense also comes with the lack of paint defense on the night as well. And Alperin Shangun really took advantage of that 10 of 17 from the field for 21 points and uh, 19 rebounds as well. So just completely dominating the glass and the boards, uh, just, just controlling the paint the entire night. And it was in favor of the Rockets. The, the Thunder had no uh, true big to uh, counter Shangun for this entire game. I mean, they threw out uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Poku started out the game, but just and even with Darius Baisley playing 11 minutes, just not enough to counter the length or the the height that the Rockets had. 
No, yeah, I mean, I think for the first three quarters, Dalen Green had the same amount of made threes as the entire Thunder team. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that just goes to show what type of night the Thunder had from outside. Um, overall, they were 10 to 44, which is 22.7% uh, from free. That's not good. Um, uh, and, you know, combining out the fact that the Rockets were lights out from free, they were 18 to 36. I mean, that's just a bad combination of things. Um, and, you know, Credit to, you know, I know the Rockets are, like, the most hated rival for the Thunderbug. Man, yeah. Jalen Green was awesome this game, man. Like, he was oh. – some of the shots he was hitting, especially on outside, was wild. You know, I remember throughout that entire process, a lot of us were saying Jalen Green should probably be, like, considered for the number one overall pick. I mean, he just had all the tools to be, like, just a potentially a superstar player. And I think this is just one of those games that really gets those, you know – those kind of emotions flow in there because he really just showed that he has the ability to make like, you know, some tough shots. And like you said, just, he was extremely efficient on the night. It's insane. Uh, he was shooting lights out from three and even his assist totals were like staggering. I mean, I think at the half, like it, on the night, he only had nine on nine assists, but like at the half, he had at least like 75% of those assists. So he was just, he was everywhere the entire night. He was a thorn in the thunder side. He was the main guy uh, dishing and dealing and putting harm on the thunder. So overall, just a great night for him. Like he said, I mean, it just proven why he was the number two overall pick still hate the Rockets though, but you know, got to give credit. <laughs> No, yeah, Green was great. Shangun was awesome. I mean, like you say, he has a big he, he's a big guy and like he really took advantage of the Thunder for sure. Uh not not having a true center. Um <laughs> Javari Smith was great as well. Um just a really good night for the Rockets is young core. Um Kevin Porter Jr. was was pretty good as well. I mean, you know, just a really good night for them. Yeah, and uh you know, that just really attacking the Thunder. I mean, I think Rockets were off the, the a back to back to back as well. What weren't they Clemente? Yeah, yeah, but they so, it was it was two home back to back, so they benefited from that. Okay. The fun had to travel. Yeah, so yeah, I mean you can credit that the back to back as well, but I mean at the same time, the Thunder just you know lacking in size mostly. They're pretty long and versatile, but like you know just lacking the height of a true center. That's what we had Chet Holmgren for, obviously out for the entire season. Uh, so just lack of a true center really just kills the entire game mostly. I mean, uh, it just there's no excuse really for the poor perimeter defense. I mean, it, it's been shown to start like this season especially against the teams like the minnesota timberwolves who we took almost rudy gobert and carlton towns the thunder had a very good defense coming in starting the season and it just seems to just slowly losing its grip over time and uh now we've completely switched i think joe musato even posted that uh the thunder's overall net rating on offense has gone up to like 12 and the defense has dropped all the way down to like 26 or something like that so i mean the offense has gone up a, a, a bit actually but the defense has just fallen off a cliff mostly so it, it, it was just really disappointing to see that the perimeter defense the perimeter defense is just absolutely like lacking uh we saw that a lot with the milwaukee bucks games where you see javon carter going off for like career numbers and now in this game just the rockets absolutely torching from the outside and it really hurt the thunder the, on the entire night so yeah that that key critical component of defense is just completely lacking for thunder and it showed a ton in this game oh yeah i mean in the last i mean the thunder played 20 games up to this point and in the last and in, in the last 15 of them they have like the 25th ranked defensive rating um yeah. So it's it's just not been good. Like they had a really good strong start to start the season off, um, and you know after the first few after the first couple of weeks, it, it just it's just falling off a cliff. Um, the Thunder, you know, to the Thunder's credit, them being like one of the best offensive teams during that same stretch, has also helped out. Um, in the last fifteen, I think they're like fourteenth in the league in offensive rating. I'm sure if I do, I, I'm sure if I you know decipher that even more to like 
last 10. Yeah, last 10, they're seventh in offensive rating. So the Thunder suddenly become like an offensive juggernaut out of nowhere. <laughs> That's going <laughs> to masquerade those defensive issues. But I mean, I think we all know that um, they're shooting, their, often, their offensive production is not sustainable um, with yeah. this current roster. Um, and if they're going to continue to, you know, um, be not one of the worst teams in the league, it's going to be, it's going to have to come on the defensive end. Um, and yeah, this was just, you know, this was just not a good night for the Thunder. Like it's a very forgettable night, 82 games in the season. You're going to have these type of nights uh, just because of that high volume of games that you got to play. But like, yeah, just a very forgettable uh, game for sure. Yeah, and you just, you know, I mean, especially like, you know, young guys having a really tough time at it. Like I said, uh, J-Dub only went 4 for 12, 11 points. And uh, Usman Jang as well, his first game back since like, what, November 4th? Is that what you said? Seven. Uh, seven. So it's been a while. And he went 0 for 4 from the field. So, I mean, overall, just a really tough night for the young guys. And like you said, it's just kind of a game you have to have a short-term memory for. Here, Michael Cage is right there. Have a short-term memory. (laughs) Got to completely forget about it and uh, just move on. But, you know, I mean, there are still some positives in this game. I'm, <laughs> hard to believe, but there are still some positives in this game. I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, of course, probably like outside of him, and like you said, and Josh Giddy as well, the lone bright spot, still putting up 32 points, moved to like fourth and fourth or third above Giannis and Tetacumpo and the scoring leaders in the league. So, I mean, Shea is obviously uh, hasn't stepped back a, a bit, but, you know, it feels like Shea has to have like a nuclear type of game for the Thunder to like, stay competitive in a game like this, especially. Uh, but uh, Josh Giddy as well, 7 for 14 from the field, uh, you know, a couple turnovers in there as well. So, I mean, just over, I mean, they're really hounding and there was a lot of turnovers for the Thunder led to some transition points. So just, you know, overall really lacking in that category, but, you know, I, I a good offensive performance and he really has stepped up offensively lately. So we've got to give credit to him for that hundred uh, percent only two assists on the night, but that's mostly attributed to like most of the players just really not hitting their shots at all. But uh, one other guy I really want to give credit to is Aaron Wiggins. He's had a lot of uh, DNPs this year. Hasn't played, uh, you know, some games, a big amount of games, but uh, when he has, sporadic. yes, he's had a very sporadic tenure so far, but Every game he's played, he's made an impact. I mean, this game, he was probably, like, one of the best reserves for the Thunder, outside of, like, Kenrich, probably. 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. A lot of those shots came in garbage time, but he was the main reason why this game ended up, like, a 13-point lead. So, just got to give big credit to Aaron Wiggins. He's great defensively, and he just excels as an offensive role player as well. No, no yeah. If, if you're giving Aaron Wiggins shit for scoring garbage time as the as a former 55th overall pick, like, <laughs> yeah. that's just that's – just, uh, mean spirited, but yeah, um, exactly. but yeah, I mean Shea, man, Shea, <laughs> Shea's great. I mean, thirty-two points in twenty-eight minutes, twelve twenty-one, twelve twenty-one from the field. I mean, at this point, it's. I feel like I ran out of words to describe just how good he is. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot which Twitter. I mean, I forgot which Rockets Twitter account said this, but they were basically like, "So Shea, really, the only reason the Thunder <laughs> are are playing above their heads?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> it really is." Oh my! It's we would be the Rockets without Shea, one hundred percent. He is the the backbone of this team. He's the one who keeps them afloat, one hundred percent. I'm glad the Rockets fans could see that tonight. No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then Josh Giddy. I mean, the Josh Giddy discourse. I mean, to start off with Lou Dort, the Lou Dort discourse is kind of tra- transitional to Josh Giddy discourse. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think overall, like if I had to grade Josh Giddy's season, I feel like. It'd be like a C, and I feel like that's reasonable, <laughs> you know. Like, um, 
he's basically having the same type of season he had last year, except he's shooting slightly worse um, from the mid-range and in, and in the room from outside, um, which which is a little bit disappointing because you were hoping that, you know, and I understand that player development isn't isn't linear, but, um, but uh, you know, you're just hoping, you know, that there would be some progression with the shooting. And I know in Josh's case, um, it's, it's probably going to be like a multi-year uh, process. Um, but with that said, like the shooting has not been good. Um, Hunter, uh, so I have, to, I have a cleaning the glass subscription. Um, um, and I want, I want you to guess what, uh, what, what, what Josh is shooting or like, do you think he's shooting better or worse basically, uh, from last year to this year in terms of his mid range shots? Okay. So do you need better? So do you think for just based off of what you remember and, um, basically, you know, uh, not having the data in front of you, do you think it's been better or worse? I I would have to assume worse. I mean, just like based off uh, a couple of those runners and floaters that he's been uh, hitting on last year, just don't feel like they're, they've been making it lately. I feel like I haven't seen him uh, been shooting a lot of middies this year either. So I, I'm going to have to go worse. No, yeah, it's it's worse. But like um, in terms of short mirroring shots, he's shooting 43% compared to 45% last year. In terms of percentile, he's in the 63rd percentile. Um, this year, last year, he was in the 77th percentile. In terms of long mid-range shots, this is like the the long mid-range shots is the one that's really fucking him over. Because last year, he was shooting 40% oh. on long mid-range jumpers, which was in the 61 percentile. This year, he's shooting 22%, which oh. is in the 30, 35th percentile. <laughs> so it, those long mid-range shots are really fucking him over. I mean, and I, I don't even want to tell you what you're shooting in the room, man. But like, it, it's pretty oh. bad. <laughs> We have to hear it, Clemente. I feel like it's our obligation, our duty to hear this. <laughs> would you be surprised if I told you you guys were shooting better this season around the rim compared to last year? I would be. I would be, actually. Yeah, he's shooting 60% around the rim compared to 57% last year, which is horrible still. Like, that's yeah. this season, he's in the he's in the 29th percentile among forwards slash wings. <laughs> last season, he was in the 26th percentile. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it's 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 not been good. <laughs> well, that's uh, that, that that honestly uh, kind of shocked me a little bit. Took me back. Yeah, I know. I was surprised as I do. Like, there's no way, Josh. <laughs> I guess Josh is. I mean, it just doesn't feel like Josh. I feel it feels like Josh was finishing better around the rim last season, but yeah. I guess he's slightly improved this season. Um, even though it's still pretty bad. Yeah, well, like you said, uh, development is definitely not linear, and uh, you know, it, especially it, shooting. Yeah, shooting us 100%. And, and not only that, but Josh this year is like completely experimenting with the new shot. It looks almost completely different from what we saw last year. And that it's 100% to do with uh, Chip England's arrival and the Thunder wanting to completely rework it or just, you know, just try and adjust it to where he become an efficient or, you know, just a sustainable shooter from the outside at least. So uh, it's going to take some time, like Clemente said. And uh, also, I mean, Giddy as well is just kind of adjusting to a new role because the Thunder really don't have a true big this year. Uh, he's having the guard. I think I saw uh, one stat. I forgot what it was, but uh, yeah, like, he's guarding know, most mostly centers and yeah. forwards, like it, big guys. It's one hundred percent taking a toll on him so far. I mean, I think when it, it showed that, 
I think it was centers are shooting like a 70% true shooting percentage over him uh, this year. Uh, as compared to like last year, it was like a 44% different, 44% true shooting percentage. So it, it's a gigantic difference. He's fallen off a cliff on that end, guarding centers or whatever. But like, I mean, it just, he has so much more different responsibilities. But I mean, like you said, it was shocking to see as well that he's also, also uh, shooting, I mean, defending uh, forwards and guards way better than he was last year. So he is making progressions in areas. But some of the more starking, like, you know, contrasts of like, you know, turnovers or just, you know, shooting from like long mid range, like you said, or just guarding centers, like his new role he's having to take because Thunder really have no length whatsoever outside of like Giddy or JRE, Bays and Poku. Just those new roles are, are sort of just, you know, kind of like, you know, affecting his his game overall you know it's taken a toll on him so far this season it's really you know hurting his game a bit so it's gonna have to take some time obviously you can't like go out there and say oh giddy's a bust or he's gonna you know why do we draft him whatever like that it takes time he's a young guy he's still 19 years old he's still adjusting to his new role this year and it's gonna have it's not the role he was expecting at all by the way because we were expecting chet holmgren to come in Giddy was probably going to have a, a little bit more of a better efficient season because Chet Holmgren was going to take away all that pressure that's now focused on him as well. So it's going to have to take some time. More pieces are going to have to come in and maybe, you know, progression upward from there on. But, you know, right now just have to take your time, be patient with it because Giddy is having to sort of adjust to a season he really wasn't expecting to have. No, yeah, and uh, I'm sure in terms of, like, the amount of possessions he has to guard, someone bigger than him is probably going to, uh, oh, yeah. decrease yeah. once once Chet comes back. Um, so um, there there's that plus the yeah. I mean I don't know. I just you know, like I said, if I had to grade Josh's season, I'd probably put it like a C. Like yeah. you know, um, and uh, it hasn't been the best. It's not what you hoped in terms of progression, but um, it's not like you know he's been downright horrible either. Um, um, but like in terms of trying to make you know. These large, uh, these large um, conclusions when it comes to Josh's fit with Shea and the team. Um, like we said, it's it's way too early to be concerned about that. Josh is still in the contract for two more seasons after this, um, and so you know we there's still plenty of, of runway in terms of figuring out like whether or not him and Shea are going to be um, the starting backcourt for the Thunder for the long term. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean. So far, I mean, you know, it's it's it hasn't been be- good, but hasn't been you know um, awful leaders. So uh, yeah. really, it's really the shooting and turnovers has been Josh's issue so far this season. Um, yeah, and the shooting thing, like you know, it's probably gonna be something he's going to deal with for his entire career. Um, but you know, hopefully, working with Chip is gonna um, help bring that up a bit because right now the way because right now, like at the very least, he needs to finish better around the rim because. He cannot be in the bottom twenty-seven percentile <laughs> as a as a as a as a wing um, finishing around the rim. Like that's just that's just not acceptable, and and it's hard to play someone shooting that poorly around the rim for for long periods of time. No, I totally agree, and I feel like I, I think there was a stat this year that was talking about how Giddy has become. Like you said, I think that goes with the uh, finishing better around the rim this year. He's been a little bit better off ball, moving around, being a little bit more active offensively. But uh, yeah, like you said, if you're gonna if you're going to lack a certain area of your offensive game, like three-point shooting, you absolutely have to improve, uh, you know, like you said, finishing around the rim. Or, or else you just, you know, you, you lose any credibility on the offensive side outside of your, like, your playmaking or, you know, or, you know, that's pretty much all you have. And it's not, like you said, it's not sustainable, especially for a team that's going to contend. I mean, 
it's going to be like an Andre Roberson situation all over again in LA to where they're just going to completely, you know, they have to respect you defensively on that end, but they could, they never respected Andre, uh, you know, offensively. Remember, I never forget uh, the 2017 playoffs, whenever the Rockets left Andre open the entire time, fouled him. And then, you know, that pretty, that was pretty much all she wrote for that series. So you, you can't be a liability on that end. You have to have a, a certain function on the offensive end. And uh, that's, you know, like you said, it's unacceptable to be like that low, uh, you know, scoring around the rim. That should be probably about the most efficient part of your game, 100%. So definitely have to improve upon that. And uh, you can only, I mean, like you said, it, it's sort of like a Hail Mary that Josh's uh, three-point shot becomes like super efficient and like, you know, Corver-like. That's not going to happen probably. But, you know, you can only hope that he somewhat improves on that three-point percentage, but absolutely must improve uh, around the rim. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, zooming back into these games, is there anything else from this Rockets game that you wanted to talk about? Uh, ugh, do I have to? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I no, think it was a bad night for Oklahoma sports, that's for sure. Oh, my God, no kidding. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I, hey, I, I at least the Oklahoma State fans, but, geez, that OU game was a bit. No, no, yeah, it was it, – it was – it felt like it's hard to pick between two – shitty options between watching the OU game and the Thunder game. Oh my god. Like which one's gonna make me less miserable? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Eventually I just turned on AMC and watched Home Alone, but you know. <laughs> uh but like yeah, um they lost um, you know, like I said, eighty two game season, games like these are gonna happen. Um but anyway, let's talk about something more more fun, more in, in a more positive light. Um it was the first game of this back to back. Um it, at home, like in Chicago, um, the Thunder were able to beat the Bulls in overtime, 123-119. This was their second consecutive overtime game at home. Um, and, you know, um, just like against the Rockets, the Thunder got off to a slow start. Um, I think the Bulls, I forgot what their largest lead was, but I think the Bulls had like um, a 12-point lead. Um, and there's like 12 lead changes and 12 ties this game. Um, and the Thunder had a 10-point lead as well, so like, this game was like all over the place, <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, that they're the Thunder were able to win it. Um, they're at the end of overtime because Demar Derozan bit for one of Shea's um, pump fakes from outside, um, and Shea nailed all three free throws to give them the go ahead points. Um, and the Thunder were able to eventually finish the game with the win. Um, for Shea, he scored thirty points once again, eight of twenty one shooting. Um, but he went 14 of 15 from the line. Uh, that's basically the Houston Harden special. <laughs> um, and then Josh, um, Josh had a pretty good game. I mean, 10 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists. He did, I thought he was really good in overtime there. Um, Lou Dort had a pretty uh, good defensive game. Um, I know he's not directly responsible for this, but um, Zach Levine scored 27, but he went 9 and 23 from the field. DeMar Rosen scored 30, but he went 12-27 from the field. Um, those two guys are just going to get theirs. Um, but if you're able to make them shoot inefficiently while they're getting a point, that's a huge win. And that's, what, and that's exactly what happened with the Thunder. <clears throat> um, I mean, Baisley, this is probably Baisley's best offensive game of the season, 17 points, um, the bench. Um, but, I mean, yeah, uh, what, what were your biggest takeaways from this win? Uh, you know, I was actually driving back from the city uh, during this game too, but I was still watching it 100. But uh, 
yeah, like you said, SGA just, you know, obviously not as efficient as we usually see from him, but got to the line a ton. And he really deserves that because he's been getting beaten up going to the rim a lot. So it was just great to see him get his due. I mean, he's the leader in drivers in the league. So I'm glad the the free throw disparency uh, showed that this game. But uh, eight, eight rebounds, seven assists as well with the 30 points. I mean, it just I, like you said, it's hard to just put into words how great SGA is, but he's just taken s- such a big leap. And, you know, we were – we were talking about Josh Giddy and his struggles this year, but um, this game really proved, like, showed someone like you know the, the big improvements he's made. And I think, uh, you know, whenever we're talking about him shooting better around the rim this year, and kind of shocked about that, I think this game is sort of like uh, an indicator of how that that is a possibility. Because, like you said, in uh, overtimes this year, SGA hasn't really cooked as much as he has in like you know regulation. That's mostly due to him having to carry the entire load for most of the game, playing those Thibodeau minutes. I mean, if you, uh, forty minutes a night. <laughs> That, that guy's been carrying thunder on his back the entire year. So obviously he's going to lack a little bit in overtime, uh, extra basketball, just a lot more time, a lot more tiring, but Josh Giddy being able to help SGA and pretty much solidified this game for, uh, as a thunder win. So that's just overall great from Josh Giddy being able to look, this is a season that really is important for young guys like Josh Giddy. It puts them in these moments and teaches them what to do. And I think over time, you know, we've had a couple overtime games, like a lot of overtime games this year, just to start in this really young season. Uh, and uh, I think Josh could really learn from those experiences and he finished around the rim really nicely as well. And was pr- dropping dimes as well. I mean, in this game, so, I mean, probably is one of his be- best assist totals to start the season. So almost had triple double 13, nine and 10, but uh, yeah. And you know, th- this is another example of Josh having a completely different role this year than what he was expecting. Grab the most boards out of anybody on the team, 13 rebounds. And um, th- that is also attributed to the, the bulls not really having uh, the, the, the height that they probably would have wanted to play against the thunder. I mean, the, the biggest guy they got is probably Vucevic as their starting center. You know, he's more of a stretch big nowadays, older it's Clemente's guy, but you know, Vucevic- <laughs> Lucevic pretty much helped us win that game. I I remember those uh, those three point shots around the corner that he kept bricking the entire night. He went one for seven from three, so not the not the best help for Chicago that game. But the Thunder really took advantage of that. I mean, uh, they grabbed they grabbed some really good boards. Like I said, uh, SJ with eight eight rebounds and Josh Giddy with thirteen. So uh, great combination for like twenty one straight rebounds there. But uh, yeah, and Poku had a good game too as well. Fifteen points, six rebounds. Uh, overall, just like you said, great night. It was a home game as well, so. Thunder took advantage of that. And like Darius Baisley, uh, been quiet most of the season offensively. Uh, defensively, he's been as bad a stat as ever. I mean, he's been great. Uh, but 7-9 from the field and 2-4 from three. Just having that that sort of role. I mean, I, we're still unsure if he's going to be here for the long run. But, uh, you know, if, if, if he is, this is the type of role he needs to have. Not taking those, you know uh, – those, you know, he just picking the right shots for him, not taking high volume shots. This, this is the type of role that you really want to see from Darius Baisley uh, on any team. So, I mean, it just, uh, it was nice to see him contribute on the offensive end. It really helped uh, seal this thing for the Thunder in overtime. You know, I mean, regarding Shea um, in overtime, um, if, if you remember, I think, um, uh, I think like a poor overtime showing against the Nuggets the last game. Um, yeah. Um, and he was pretty poor in the fourth quarter as well. I think he might have only scored four points in those two periods. Uh, this game, he scored 11 points combined, I believe. Um, so um, 11 was 30 points came in the final 17 minutes of the game. Um, so, you know, that's that's great stuff from Shea. Um, like, yeah, I mean, 30 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. I mean, this guy is just <laughs> – he's putting up 30 points in his sleep at this point, which is which is a wild thing to to see happen live. Yeah, no kidding. And you can just see, like you said, I mean, he's getting a lot smarter, too, with his uh, getting to the line. 
I, you know, that could be like, like I said, that, that's a big contribution from Chris Paul there. He was, it's a really good thing that, I mean, SJ was already a great player coming with the LA Clippers, but having a year to have Chris Paul be like your mentor on, on the court, just invaluable time to have. And that just really came in to show with the SGA, uh, like you said, baiting DeMar DeRozan for the, the, at the three-point line and getting those three-point shots uh, at the line to pretty much end the game for the, for the Thunder and, you know, put Chicago out and just, you know, SGA showing that leadership ability, high basketball IQ. Just it's insane that the giant leap he's had this year. Uh, I mean, hard to predict it, but man, he he's really he's he's at that superstardom. I mean, he's getting to the line. He can make his threes. Tough. I mean, look, he was playing against like you you compared him to Demar Derozan in the mid range. Clemente. He was he was going against his uh, alter ego there. <laughs> no, yeah, his former avatar. His former... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, Shay's done a really good job at um getting fouls called, even though it feels like he should probably get like a lot more <laughs> than he does. But um he's getting um he's getting fouled on on uh sixteen point four percent of his uh of of his shot attempts, which is like which is ninety second percentile in the league. So um that just goes to show. Um and like four overall, uh, the only the only <laughs> the only three players ahead of him um are Luca, which is, you know, expected. Yeah. Ja, um I bet you'll never guess who number three is. <laughs> oh, number three. I mean, yeah. While while you're thinking, I just got to shout out uh, Lockdown's Ryan Styles for letting me, letting me borrow his uh, cleaning the glasses for fun. <laughs> this, this is a ton of fun, man. I always wanted to sub to this play. I just could not afford it. So, shout out to Ryland. Give him a follow on Twitter. Oh yeah, guys. Rylan is amazing. And also listen to the Lock On Thunder podcast. Read Rylan's articles as well. Just amazing. Uh, but oh man, I'm left stumped. Uh, who would it be? These are guards, by the way. Okay, guards. Okay, Donovan Mitchell. No, John Wall. John Wall? Are you serious? Oh my god, <laughs> that yeah. dinosaur! Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's getting uh seventy percent of his shots uh copper fouls, which is ninety fifth percentile in the league. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, damn you, Clippers! No, I'm just it's probably like a super small sample size, but you know, still funny. <laughs> yeah, just uh, that took me aback. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, no, I'm assuming I'm assuming John Wall isn't doesn't have the same usage rate as as uh, Luca, John, and Shea. <laughs> I mean, with Paul George and Kawhi out, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, she's done a really good job at drawing fouls. Um, and like I've I've been saying this for a couple of years now, like if he can unlock that skill set where um, he can still get points from the free throw line, even if doesn't, even if his shot's not falling. That's gonna like a, that's gonna unlock a whole like upper echelon level of his scoring. Um, and we're seeing that season so far. So crazy stuff. Um, and like I said, Poku, man, Poku, Poku's great, man. Like, oh my god, he, he's legit. Outside of Shea, he's legit been probably the second best player on his team. Like, I, I, he only played nine minutes to the Rockets game, but in this game, he just, I mean, in other games especially, he's just been proven to be invaluable. Uh, like you said, I mean, I really do feel b- bad for ragging on him in the summer league, but like you know, it just it, no. I mean, it was it was kind of yeah, it was yeah, because it, it's well, going I, to get the competition. Yeah, and I think we both made the caveat out like, hey, this is the summer league. Like in the long, in the big picture, none of this matters. But like in the moment, it's it's not a good look, um, yeah. which is all true. But 
Um, yeah, since Denver. since the start of the season, P- Poku's legit like been the second best player on this team, which is wild to say. Yeah, I think it also not only does it have to do with like you know Poku having like two straight years of just straight development. I mean, he's gained a lot more weight. Uh, he's just improved in every facet. I, I went. I mean. I feel like I say this every pod, but it's just wild to see like that baby Bambi on the ice that we started out with in 2020 turn into, you know, this full-fledged NBA player, key component to the Thunder's roster. I mean, like I said, this is sort of like a role you, you're going to, you wanted to, you were going to see Chet be in. Uh, and I think this is the sort of role that really does suit Poku. And it really, I mean, it really shows like the, the positives he has in his game. I mean, just with the, the help defense, uh, his, his shooting with the pick and pops with SGA, I mean, it's just wild to think. I mean, I remember when Poku shoot, shot threes back then, we always expected a brick or, you know, maybe a bad miss. But now you expect him to make it almost every time he has the ball. I mean, he's shooting 40% from three this year. That's legitimately insane. I mean, JRE and Poku <laughs> 40% from the outside, which is wild to think about. But just Poku having, like, such an efficient shot now from the outside and just having a great defense to come along with it and not only that but he's been playmaking really well i mean he's shown sparks of playmaking like throughout his you know his young career but it's starting to be like less oh poku moment and more like that's a really great really great play leading to straight up offense for the thunder and i'm left speechless i think it's (laughs) it's it's just insane how good he's been and now, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, Poku's got to have a great season and for him to have that uh, option picked up and a contract come, uh, you know, outside of his rookie contract whenever it's up. And now that's almost guaranteed. Like, he's definitely going to get that contract whenever it's time. So just kudos to Poku because just an amazing development, amazing season for him. And he's uh, he is a guy now. No, yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder just how much his usage rate plays a role into that because um, his rookie season, uh, he, he was at 20.4% in terms of the usage rate. Last season, he was at 20.2%. Um, and this season, he's just at 166 So, um, which obviously means, you know, not as many positions are ending in uh, are ending with Poku, um, which means, you know, he's not having the ball as much as he used to, as the first two seasons of his career. So, Maybe him having a reduced role or a more simplified role in offense has really benefited his efficiency. Um, but I mean, yeah, like you said, Poku's Poku's been great. Um, he's he's shooting uh, he's shooting fifty percent of corner threes this season. Last oh, last year that was last year that was forty two percent. His rookie season that was twenty seven percent. My God. Um, so he's like you said, he's he's really he, he, like I don't think I don't think even the most optimistic focus stance. <laughs> seen this coming, you know? Oh, no, not, not a not a ton. I mean, who would have thought Poku would be shooting Shane Battier-type numbers from the corner? I mean, my goodness. No, it's, it's, it's wild. I mean, you know, I, I've seen a lot of things as well. I mean, you know how you said Poku has uh, less possessions now, and obviously he's, he's a smaller role, not having the ball as much. SJ has the ball a ton more now. I mean, also, I feel like some of those rookie mistakes are starting to shed off a little bit because what we see now from guys like J-Dub and Josh Giddy is that whenever they're pressured a lot, they give up the ball and it leads into turnovers. But that, that comes with young players. It's obviously going to happen with all young players, unless you're like a superstar like LeBron James coming into the league. But 
Poku, I've noticed whenever he has the ball, he's got like a lot tighter of a handle now. He's a lot stronger with it, and he doesn't let the ball go easily. I have rarely seen a turnover from Poku lately, which is wild to think about. And uh, I think he's just a lot smarter, and his handles are a lot tighter now. And he just looks, like I said, like we've been talking about, a full-fledged basketball player. So some of those rookie mistakes that he's had, like you said, he didn't have a full-on a normal regular uh, offseason to develop because, you know, the whole pandemic and everything. And uh, I think some of that time off, and those two years of straight development and trips to the G League, and I guess the I guess the decision to sit out that first summer league uh, appearance was I guess a good one because man, uh, Poku has all those rookie mistakes starting to shut off uh, game by game, and he's just been playing phenomenally. No, it's funny how you mentioned age playing a role into Josh Kitty and J Dub um, turning the ball over in crucial moments when. <laughs> J-Dubs, so you're older than Poku, and he's the same age as, as Giddy right now. <laughs> Even oh, though it's a bit disingenuous. Yeah, Poku turns 21 uh, in about a month, but, like, it's still pretty funny. Yeah. Man, that's so weird to think about. Man, I, it's such a skewed uh, – man, it's so weird to think. I mean, whenever we're talking about how young Poku was, he was really, really young. Oh, my God. 18. <laughs> 18, 18 and 19. Man. J-Dub, why are you so old right now? No, nah, I'm just <laughs> Oh my god! But I mean, yeah, uh, great game for Poku. What um, a loss! I mean, for Nuggets, I mean, Jokic was awesome. I mean, they only, they only had ten guys available. This is the second night of back to back. They lost to the Pistons the night before, and Jokic, uh, you know, he re- he realized that if they're gonna win, it's because of him, and that's exactly what happened. Thirty nine points, ten rebounds, nine assists. Aaron Gordon was great as well. Thirty one points, eight rebounds. Bruce Brown had a triple double. Um, KCP at 15, Vaktiv Kankar <laughs> at 19 points, <laughs> which is wild to see. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it sucks that they lost, but, like, you know, if, if they're going to lose these type of games, I think they're going to get losses, honestly. Yeah, what's up with Aaron Gordon going crazy on us lately, Clemente? I'm really wondering about that. Oh, my God. I don't know, man. It's <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> Maybe he wants to get traded here because his views align with uh, – Oh <laughs> the state's views yeah. along with his views. <laughs> I mean, he did. He did spend like four years in, in Orlando. <laughs> uh, you know what? You're right. No, nah, I'm just kidding. But uh, um, but uh, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention this during the Bulls game. Um, when we were talking about the Bulls game, but I thought Mark's answer when he was asked about his relationship with Billy Donovan was pretty. It got it got me teared up a little bit, man. <laughs> I was in the room. <laughs> When he was talking, and like I got, and like you could hear in Mark's voice that he was getting choked up a bit, um, and then I started to, to get choked up a bit. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it sounds like, but yeah, man, Mark's a, Mark's just a good dude overall, man. <laughs> I love Mark. He sounds like a good dude every time he talks, but uh, yeah, man, I don't know if I would right. survive. I would have to have popcorn and uh, tissues nearby when I was listening to that. Oh my god, yeah, I, I wish I recorded it just so I could capture. Just like the rawness of his voice, because um, I don't think well, I actually had to record it. <clears throat> actually, did record, but I don't know how to upload it on Twitter. But um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> sorry guys, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> but yeah, Mark's great, man. Mark's 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 a funny guy. <laughs> He's a funny guy. He has great sense of like dry humor. Um, but yeah, Mark's great. Hopefully, you know, and so far it's looking like it's the case. Hopefully, you know, he's the next. Uh, Thunder head coach. Whenever they start contending again, 
And this isn't a situation where Mark's labeled as a developmental coach and that's it. But yeah, he's been great. The players love him. Media loves him. Fans love him. It's just all good vibes so far with Mark. Even former players seem to love him too. Like KD mentioned, you you talk, you asked Mark about uh, KD's comments recently, and uh, even Perk, which is weird, but Perk came out and was talking about you know how they have a good coach in Oklahoma City, and you know good a good it just really nice to see Mark Dagnall getting his flowers as well throughout all this. So, I mean, like you say, he's a great guy and a great coach. I mean, uh, the de- development that Mark Dagnall has had with guys like Lou Dort and uh, Pokushevsky. Poku, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just. You know, it just shows the type of coach that he is. And obviously the defense has been lacking lately, but almost every single one of Mark's teams has been one of the upper echelons of the defense in the NBA. He's just a great coach and a great guy overall. Like you said, he doesn't take himself too seriously either. He's just, that's how you could tell he's a player's coach right there. I mean, he really relates with his players well. And like I said, I mean, he's just, he does magic on the court. I mean, I I send you these memes all the time, but like every time, uh, you know, the Thunder are like one of the leaders and, uh, you know, having the point totals go up after, you know, timeouts or halftime, especially the third quarter is like the bread and butter for the Thunder. Mark Dagnall must have those Captain America type speeches coming out of the. <laughs> Which is funny, too, because he said, yeah, I don't give speeches during halftime or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe him, Clemente. I don't believe him. It's something. Uh, yeah, he's being he's he's being too humble. Yeah, <laughs> It's but, that Bruce Springsteen. Uh, I- yeah, I didn't even know Perk said that about Mark. Did he say his name, or did he just say Thunder Head Coach? I think he just said Thunder Head Coach. It was on Sports okay. Center. Uh, I think it was <laughs> Where... the game winner with the Wizards. Uh okay, yeah, that's funny because I've seen I've seen a lot of that where whenever like you know someone in the national media on like ESPN or whatever are talking about the Thunder, they always call him as the Thunder Head Coach. I'm thinking like <laughs> these guys probably don't even know him, and like if they do, they probably don't know how to say his last name. Oh my God! I would pay so much money to hear Perk try and say Mark's last name. I would pay so much. Yeah, we're like, um, yeah, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> was that Coach Mark Darrell? Uh, <laughs> Coach Mark is what he would call him. <laughs> Coach Mark. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, I just wanted to bring that up real quick before we uh, move on to the next game. Um, any final words about this Nuggets game, though? Uh, great effort overall, especially against, uh, you know, a, a really good Nuggets team. So just great effort overall. Yeah, for sure. So um, to wrap up on a bad note, the Thunder uh, <laughs> lost to the Knicks, um, 129-119 in regulation. Um, Jalen Brunson scored 34 points, which was a season high. RJ Barry scored for 25. Julius Randle scored 25. Manu quickly scored 18. Um, for the Thunder, Shea had 30 points, 9-22 shooting, but total 13 from the free throw line. Um, Lou Dort had 24 points on 9-14 shooting, 3-4 from free. Uh, Josh Kitty had 18 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, Jada by 13 points. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I felt pretty sluggish this game because I overdid it on media mining. <laughs> um, and like I, I felt like I kind of matched the mood of this game. It was just very, it was just very sluggish, moodane. Um, and it, I don't know, it was pretty boring, man. If I'm being honest, like it was a pretty boring basketball game. Like the Knicks the basically led the entire way, um, and the Thunder really never. I mean, the Thunder made runs, but like every time the Thunder made runs, the Knicks were able to answer back. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, the Thunder's biggest lead was two points, <laughs> and like there's three lead changes and three ties. Um, but I mean. Yeah, very, very boring game, very boring loss. But yeah, what do you think? 
if I mean, I, I think at the very like the third quarter, every time they tried to make a run, they never broke that ten point lead total. And uh, I, I want to blame this solely on Jalen Brunson because I don't know why he went completely nuclear in this game. It doesn't feel like it, but he only went one for six from three. I know. <laughs> I was thinking, like, how the fuck did Brunson score 34 <laughs> points when I was looking at the box score? It's it just wild to think. Like, he, he shot very inefficiently from three, but 14 for 20 from the field, which is absolutely insane efficiency, five of six from the line. Jalen Brunson carved the thunder the entire night. Every difficult shot he made, every and one he made. Lou Dort had a very tough time against Jalen Brunson. Uh, contributed to a lot of those and ones as well. But yeah, I mean, every Knicks player really feasted this game. Julius Randle took advantage of his height and size. But even with that, he was open pretty much all night from three, it felt like. <laughs> he was open from the wing a ton. He only went two to six from three, but... Uh, you know, he, he was he was making the lights out every now and then. I mean, he from the field in total, 9 of 16. Uh, R.J. Barrett must have heard criticism or something because, Jesus, 10 of 16 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. He was probably, like, the second-best player instead of Jalen Brunson the night. They absolutely – all three of them carved at the center the entire night. But, uh, like you said, SGA, I mean, he keeps – I think it's funny because uh, at the start of like SGA having like this really great season, uh, Clemente was talking about how SGA has a very sustainable game. Like if he's not going to make his tough shots, then he's going to score in other ways and keep up these uh, point totals. And that's just recently SGA really hasn't been making those tough uh, fadeaway jumpers from the mid range, maybe every now and then, but not as like often as he was to start out the season. Like you saw with the 42 point total he had against the wizards. Uh, this game and like other games to follow are good examples of that because SGA shot nine of 22 from the field, 0 of two from three, but still had 12, uh, 13 trips to the line, 12 of 13 and 30 points overall. So this, this stretch of games SGA has had is a pretty good example of like what Clemente was talking about, how SGA has a very sustainable game and he's going to have his every night feels like 30 points this game and 30 points to follow ever since really. Uh, but yeah, seven assists, five rebounds for SGA two with a steal in the block. I mean, uh, the best player for the Thunder all night. But you know, outside of him, I mean, Lou Dort probably had his best game of the season as well. Nine of fourteen from the field, three of four from three, twenty-four points overall, and eight rebounds. So Lou Dort was everywhere this game. But you know, still with all this, it just wasn't enough. I mean, the Thunder really couldn't get a grapple hold on the, on the Knicks. Uh, and uh, you know, like Clinton said, it was just kind of boring overall. Uh, just. <laughs> I was in and out of the game. I felt like most of the time I was watching and then I just probably get on my phone and goof around or something. But uh, yeah, the, the just not a great night for the Thunder against the Knicks team that they, they beat like not too long ago before this. But yeah, games like this, they come and go. I mean, Thunder aren't going to aren't like a juggernaut that's going to win a ton of games. So games like this come and they happen. But uh, just, you know. Uh, good effort from the guys that you know that you want to see succeed i mean another example is josh giddy once again 8 for 15 from the field 18 points one of his better games he's had this season but just couldn't put all the pieces together and uh just really couldn't pull this one out they were really missing poku this game i think poke was poke about this game i'm pretty sure yeah yeah so i mean that's just another example i mean poke is a pretty key component i really think they would have broken that 10 point total and probably come back to win this if he was a part of it but you know, that's just you, but it's not to save a Poku. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding, hundred percent. It's wild to think about that. But yeah, he really he's made a big difference in games like this where the games have been just around you know that ten point mark or whatever. So missing his point totals was huge for the Thunder. Uh, having to replace him with Kenrich Williams. I mean, Kenrich, I'm not gonna rag on him, but like, I mean, obviously Poku is like way better fitted to be the starter right now at power forward. And uh, he was sorely missed this game. No, yeah, I mean, uh, just to, you know, 
Uh, talk about Brunson like a little bit more. He shot thirteen of fourteen on on two point shots. <laughs> so just insane. Just, like, what were we saying? I said like, yeah. I mean, it, that's that's like a ridiculous percentage to hit on two point shot, especially for someone uh, Brunson size. He wasn't you know the tallest guy out there, so pretty wild stuff. You know what was funny? Uh, before the game started, I was gonna tweet. Uh, about how the New York Knicks spent so much money on Jalen Brunson, but I'm I'm really glad I didn't say anything because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it's just insane efficiency for uh, someone like Brunson's height. Yeah, um, give, and you know, overall for the Thunder, giving up 129 points in regulation, not good. But like, and you know, <laughs> it kind of goes back to how the defense has been really bad for basically most of the season. I saw I saw for like the first few games of the year, but. Um, yeah, and you know, Mark talked about it after the game as well. Um, after, I think it was Derek Parker who asked him um, about the defense um, giving up like 120 for like three straight games, I think, or four. And then Mark corrected him, was like, actually, we get, and we've also given up like at least 112 in the last X amount of games. Um, so, um, you know, it's while well, it's been fun to see the Funders suddenly become like one of the best offenses in the league. Um, you can you can tell that Mark. Mark knows that their identity is on a defensive end. Yeah, 100%. Also, another thing about Mark I want to bring out is that I, I love every, how every single time at these interviews, he just has stats to pull out of his brain like it's nothing. So, Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> his right, his, yeah, him talking about um, the funder, like, leading the league in drives and yet not getting the foul, getting fouls called was, like, Scott Steiner-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, no Steiner math, Fuente. It's Dagnall math from now on. Okay. Yeah, I, I wanted. To, I've been too lazy, but like afterwards, being like, man, I, I should probably fact check all of this just to see how much of this is actually accurate. <laughs> that was impressive because he had he had those numbers ready, man. It was yeah. crazy. Like, how do you memorize these numbers? Because these numbers <laughs> change every single day. Oh my god, he's like uh, Vince McMahon with WWE. He eats, breathes, and sleeps Thunder. Come on, I mean, nothing else. No movies or anything. Maybe a Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Which is funny too, because Mark said multiple times that he doesn't really pay attention to the rest of the league. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which honestly, I don't really either, because it's kind of hard to to focus to put that much attention into other teams. I mean, I, I obviously keep up, but like, I'm I know where I don't have the same amount of knowledge for like the Pacers, like I do with the Thunder. So, oh come um, on, you just spend Mathman's point total right now, Clemente. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez, give me a second. Let me Google this real quick. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, bad game, bad loss, boring game, <laughs> boring loss. Very. That, that's that's really all you can really say about this one. But, um, yeah, besides that, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Very disappointed Thibodeau didn't play Speed Mihailuk for his comeback game. Just very disappointed. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, I was helping, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was very – very Thibodeau to have the starters out to the very tail end of this game, even though they're leading by 10 most of the entire night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that wraps up all the games. Whatever we need to talk about. Um, excuse me. Um, but is there anything else that you want to talk about real quick, Hunter, before we end the pod? Uh, yeah, we have one question we didn't get to answer last week, so we're going to go ahead and uh, go ahead and fill that one out, and then uh, we'll head out. But from uh, I'll read it by the way, Cobra Warrior five sixty seven. How will Chet Holmgren's ret- return affect the team next season? Um, 
like in general, I mean, I feel like it's going to affect him big time. Like he's probably the, the second most supported player on the team uh, in the franchise. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to affect the big time. The Thunder, um, all of the next season is probably going to be focused on how Chet and whoever they take in the 2023 draft are going to fit in with this current squad. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know it's it's a easy answer, but like it's going to affect it big time, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with the games you see recently, where the Thunder are clearly lacking, you know, height and a big man. Most of these games this year could be the deter- you know flipped on their head if Chet was playing this season. Uh, so just imagine having someone, you know, imagine having like another Poku on the on the floor, but you know he's a lot bigger and uh, he can play better. defense extremely better and he can probably play offense. he actually more most likely play offense extremely better as well and probably be a lot you know more fluid with guys like giddy and you know affect like chet Holmgren. he can have effect on his teammates and have you know like i said josh giddy is having like a very poor season this year but uh or not really poor i'd say very average i mean you know he should definitely be playing a lot better but if a guy like chet Holmgren is on the floor then that completely just probably changes the trajectory of josh giddy season entirely so uh, just having Chet Holmgren on the floor and making probably the the four slot a uh, little bit more fluid rather than the five slot uh, that could change the trajectory of the Thunder season this year completely. So just think about next year, and not only that, adding another rookie from the twenty twenty three draft, uh, it's going to affect the Thunder huge. It's going to be a massive, massive swing. Yeah, that doesn't include like eternal development of guys like Uzman or J Dub or Trey Man or Poku. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you, if you remember, but like, I remember during summer league, like it was the Josh Giddy and Chip show. Like, yeah, you know, that one <laughs> meme video, of like Kobe, of those Kobe and Shaq highlights, that oh, was yeah. basically <laughs> Giddy and Chet during summer league. Um, <laughs> and like, that's why I'm not too concerned about Giddy right now. Cause <laughs> yeah. I feel like once, once Chet's back in the phone, like that's going to improve Josh's game <laughs> so much because they really go. They really play well off of each other. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just an unfortunate part about Chet's injury is that he misses an entire year of developing with guys like Josh and Shea and Poku and Dort. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to affect a big time for sure. Yeah, 100%. I'm excited too. I mean, <laughs> next season, uh, those tickets, are, prices are going to be uh, soaring. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think we're probably going to get some national TV games for sure too. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, just oh, man, I'm just thinking of the fact of like a, a newly dubbed with the media superstar in SGA and uh, Chet Holmgren and a 2023 rookie, whoever that is, that's going to get a lot of uh, attention nationally. Yeah, for sure. But um, all right, the Hunter, um, besides that, um, anything else or, or are we good? I think we're good. I think we got everything. All right, cool, cool, cool. So thank you guys for listening. Once again, please like, share, subscribe to the pod. And we'll talk again here pretty soon, maybe after these next couple of games. But, yeah, thank you for listening and have a good week.